Welcome to the Capital Beach Podcast. This is Derek Rockbank, the Executive Director of American Shore and Beach Preservation Association, and I am your host for the Capital Beach. Uh, as listeners to the American Shoreline Podcast know, the Capital Beach is a podcast about federal coastal policy. We're, we're coming to you live from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Uh, excited to have a conversation today with um, not a policy maker, uh, but someone from the community who is very involved in helping shape uh, policy decisions. Uh, he's a coastal engineer working at CDM Smith and it's uh, an ASBPA board member. Uh, Brian Caulfield will be joining us today. Um, before we dive into today's segment, Uh, I wanted to uh, throw out for a a shout out to our sponsors. Our first sponsor on today's show is Dune Doctors out of Pensacola, Florida. Dune Doctors is a dune consulting and restoration company. They work all along the Gulf Coast. DuneDoctors.com for more information. That's right. Frederick Barrissette and her team at Dune Doctors, experts in natural restoration with native dew plants. Dune Doctors. Uh, TI Coastal Services from Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, led by Chris Gibson, an incredibly smart and talented coastal engineer who works with lots of beach communities uh, in North Carolina. Really super firm, have done ec- outstanding work. TICoastal.com. Reach out to Chris Gibson if you're in need of fixing your beach or managing your waterways ti coastal services and right here in texas lja engineering lja.com this is a another great engineering firm uh we've we've seen their work up and down the texas coast it's always outstanding they come in on budget they are responsible they design uh, environmentally sound and thoughtful projects. Uh, Peter? Yep. Led by Bill Worsham in that division, their coastal engineering uh, crew at LJA, great people. Bill and I, back in the day, were in the regulatory side of the equation at the Texas General Land Office. He's sensitive to the rules and the and, and the environment. They do a great job at LJA. Uh, and again, a big thank you to uh, TI Coastal and Dune Doctors and LJA Engineering. All of them are uh, at some levels active participants in ASBPA, American Shore and Beach Preservation Association. We've seen them at our conferences and our summits. And so really glad they are also sponsoring the podcast. So thanks to those guys. Um, and now uh, we are going to uh, turn to our, our interviewee today, uh, Brian Caulfield, who is ASBPA board member and a, and a coastal engineer, not a federal policymaker, I think, in, in any regards, but someone who has stepped up to chair our coastal summit this year. And so in that way is helping shape coastal policy. So welcome, Brian. Glad you could join me today. Uh, thanks, Derek, for the invitation. I enjoy the opportunity to actually be on this podcast. Yeah, great. So, Brian, um, I gave you a quick introduction, but why don't you tell us a, a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, where you're living, how you got into coastal engineering, all that sort of stuff. Uh, sure, Derek. Uh, so, I'm a oddity in the coastal engineering world where I'm a Great Lakes trained coastal engineer. Uh, my undergraduate and graduate degrees are from Purdue and University of Michigan. So I got to see and learn all about coastal engineering without ever thinking about tides. It wasn't until I started my working career when I actually realized that there's this thing called tides. <laughs> the Great Lakes, we had a struggle with you know annual lake level variations, but uh, the, the tides are definitely uh, something new to me once I got out here and started uh, actually being a practitioner. Um, I'm considered a wash ashore. Uh, I live on Cape Cod, but I was born and raised in Chicago. 
So technically to the locals on the Cape, I don't belong here. I'm just kind of that stuff thrown up on the beach and I should be thrown back. Uh, but I've enjoyed living here for the past 16 years now. Um, and I've been a coastal practitioner ever since. Um, I first kind of got involved in ASBPA as an undergraduate or graduate student, actually, at Purdue University. My advisor at the time was uh, Professor Bill Wood. And he was giving a, uh, he was one of the chairs of the ASBPA National Coastal Conference held in Chicago back in 1996. And so that's kind of how I got introduced to ASBPA. I've, I've been a member ever since, and then, you know, always wanted to become more active and involved, especially since it's kind of the one, the one organization that's truly devoted to just the coastal engineering profession. Uh, I became the coastal engineer because I got involved in water resources in college and was just interested in kind of the, the shorelines. I'd grown up along Lake Michigan and so loved it. And an academic advisor, Professor Wood, was he was also my water polo coach. He was given a presentation and he shows a slide, the old carousel slides. And the one slide was a, uh, it was a white triangle and a gray mass. And he asked the classroom what it was and everyone kind of guessed. And he goes, this is what happens when you use your camera to push away the shark from you and you accidentally take a picture. And the white mass is its tooth and the gray mass is the, the fish itself. And I thought, oh my God, I can be Jacques Cousteau and an engineer, sign me up, whatever that field is. And that's, I kind of, I got thrown into it from that. And I've, I've never looked back since. That's great. So someone who's excited about being eaten by a shark while doing engineering, you are a, a rare figure, Brian. Um, also, do you have, do you have something against warm weather? Chicago, uh, Indiana, Michigan, and now Massachusetts, you, you only like to spend two months a year on a, on a warm, sunny beach. Uh, it makes getting to the beach that much more enjoyable, um, because you realize how valuable an asset they are to you. And you, you truly realize the importance of beach and tourism and, and, you know, having that sand to go plop down on, whether it's during the middle of winter when you need to get away and remember that there's a thing called the sun. Um, or, you know, the best part is those couple of months during the year when you can get out there and, and go look at the beach and enjoy those summers. Um, well, Brian, we, uh, brought you here today, not to, to make fun of how pasty white you are most of the year. Um, but to actually talk a bit about our, our coastal summit, um, cause you are an engineer by, by training and by trade, um, not a policy guy. And yet, uh, this year you're going to be co-chair of ASBPA's uh, coastal summit. Um, and for those of you who have not been ASBPA hosts, uh, two conferences. So Derek, yeah. I, uh. I'm definitely excited to be one of the co-chairs of this event coming up. I was excited when I was given the opportunity as a non-standard kind of person to become one of the co-chairs. I think I can bring a, a new vision to the, the program itself. Uh, I get involved a lot at CDM Smith in federal programs. And so I, I do see a lot of activities and, and it's kind of one of my core clients that I get involved with. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to be one of the co-chairs. That's great. And I actually want to talk to you a bit about, cause you know, you're not a federal policy guy, but you know, I certainly think of when I think of, um, interactions with FEMA and interactions with federal agencies, I totally think about the work that you do. So I'd like to get into that in, in a second. Um, did you sort of want to, for our, our 
listeners out there who may not know AS, about ASPPA's conference and summit, ASPPA holds two um, two conferences or two events a year. Uh, our coastal conference, which travels from location to location along our coast, uh, ASPN was or the the podcast network was sort of launched there this year, and we had some really good uh, podcasts coming out of that. Um, but our coastal summit. Uh, is our DC event every year. And so it's, it's hosted February, March timeframe, and it, it allows the opportunity for practitioners, folks, you know, who've got engineering backgrounds or coastal managers or elected officials to come to DC, um, learn about some of the latest federal policy relating to the American shoreline, and then actually meet with federal agencies, assuming there's not a government shutdown, as well as legislators um, to to help influence and shape and, and provide expertise from on the ground of how federal policy is shaped. So uh, we'll get into some of the details of our, of our upcoming summit, which we're having in uh, March 12th, 13th, and 14th this year. Um, so Brian, uh, you've had a bunch of experience working with federal agencies as a engineering partner. Why don't you talk a little bit about your work with, with FEMA or some of the other agencies you've worked with? Sure. With FEMA, I've been involved a lot with uh, identification and mapping of coastal flood hazards. Uh, there was a big push by the federal government after you know Katrina to get out there and and realize that the maps were old and we needed to update you know the risks that we communicate. And then of course Hurricane Sandy happened and there was a need again to kind of get back in there and, and check everything that we've done. And it just seems like a never-ending process, of course, you know, where you now have had Florence and Michael this year again reminding us that. You know, we need to figure out ways to better improve how we communicate risk to uh, individuals and make sure that they're they're taking actions on their risks. And I mean, one of those actions is buying flood insurance, but at the same time, there's mitigation actions people can take and and just you know, community-wide thought processes that people can do. And so we, I help a lot through there. I've also been involved in uh, mitigation activities. I've uh, gone down after Florence and Michael to go inspect. Uh, structural damages and see how have our building codes been implemented? Is there a need to update building codes, stuff along those lines? And then I even had the honor of going down for 90 days after Harvey and I went to Texas and I worked on public assistance. And in public assistance for FEMA, you're acting almost as the bank. So FEMA is giving money to the communities to get them back on their feet. And I went out as a site inspector on these public assistant contracts and uh, went to communities and uh, looked at the damages that they were reporting and ensured that they were damages associated with, you know, the the flooding associated with Hurricane Harvey, and then making sure that they get their money, you know, in, in a quick manner so that they're able to uh, get back up on their feet. So, you know, FEMA comes out right after the storm and does individual assistance, which is getting homeowners on their feet, and then it's the public assistance, which is getting the communities back up on their feet. So I, I've seen that a lot of uh, through my time and effort. And then with the Corps of Engineers, I tend to do more of uh, planning type studies where I got involved in the North Atlantic Coast Comprehensive Study, where it was more or less uh, reviewing reporting that people had developed and making sure that it was understandable by kind of the, the common people or the, you know, the communities and who would be receiving the, uh, the reports. And then I also tend to work with uh, NAVFAC, and <clears throat> NAVFAC is where I get to be my true, you know, coastal engineer, okay, kind of structural sorry, guy. Brian, sorry to jump in. We're Nav, looking at the design. Uh, what, what does that stand for? Uh, naval facilities. So it's uh, it's basically it's the it's the Department of the Navy's 
uh, facilities command. So it's the group that has like the civil engineering and the civil works groups that go out and build shorefront structures. Um, and so my job when we had these NAFAC type contracts has been the design of, you know, hard shoreline solutions. So revetments and, and, uh, and waterfront, uh, you know, like structures. So you've really had the opportunity to serve as a, a government contractor for three fairly different federal agencies, FEMA, Army Corps, and, and the Department of the Navy, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, you know, I've seen quite a bit in my career from a, a federal standpoint. So from that perspective, what, uh, what draws you to, to Washington, D.C.? What interests you about getting more involved in the Coastal Summit this year? So for me, it's, it's not just what policies and procedures our federal agencies are implementing. Um, for me, it's also part of the science and technology background that, you know, is very strong within ASPPA. It is um, what can we as an association do to help further the science and the implementation of, you know, coastal engineering in each of these groups. Um, I think it's very important for us to be helping, you know, are these agencies one get funding to do science or two find agencies that are doing science? You know, like NAFAC and FEMA are not necessarily you know science doing agencies; they're more of like implementation. So they're relying on the Corps of Engineers or somebody else to have, you know, even if it's just an academic institution that receives funding from an NSF grant. That it's important that these funding channels are always available so that we can continue, you know, to improve the, you know, what are, what is the standards of coastal engineering and, and so that people, practitioners such as myself have good guidance documents that we can implement, that we have a better understanding of the environment in which we're building. And then two, of course, it's, you know, it's looking at the bigger picture of whatever we do needs to be resilient as we move into the future, um, knowing that, as the climate changes, uh, what can we do to ensure that our projects last long and, and are resilient? Brian, I think that's great. One of the things we, you know, ASBPA's mission is uh, merging science and policy to protect, restore, and enhance our coasts. Um, and I think one thing that we can really do well, and we as a coastal community, probably most folks listening on the phone on the podcast, can do is help bring science to uh, to the decision makers. And I think that's one of the big things that we're going to try to talk about on, on this podcast is how do we do that? Um, certainly, there are engineers working at the federal agencies, but there are not a whole lot of engineers in Congress. Um, we did actually get one ocean engineer uh, elected from the coast of South Carolina uh, this past this past uh, November. And hopefully, uh, put it on, I'll put it on my list to have Joe Cunningham on this podcast at some point in the next two years. Um, but not a lot of not a lot of coastal scientists and coastal engineers in Congress. So I think it's really good that we get folks like you who've had the on the ground experience of doing coastal engineering, connecting up with uh, with federal decision makers. So um, glad to have your perspective and have you uh, come to the summit. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, it's, I definitely agree. That's it. Having more engineers in Congress. I, I can actually remember when we had a congressman when I was an undergrad student at Purdue, come and talk to us. He was the one civil engineer. And he talked about the importance as to why we needed more engineers in Congress. And it, it seems like we haven't learned. It's probably there's still only one engineer in Congress. Yeah. Well, you know, they say members of Congress are, are experts in people. Um, and 
not to make fun of you engineers, but you know, engineering is not necessarily known as the most personal or personable uh, profession. But I know there a lot of Jeez, those out you there. Can throw me us <laughs> twice here, tasty, and then you tell me I'm not a people person. This is a great call. <laughs> uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Brian. So um, let's uh, let's turn to the uh, the the commercial part of the of this podcast and talk a little bit about what we have upcoming in the summit because I think it can give a flavor of both you know maybe why folks might be interested in joining us at the summit this year, um, but also a flavor of the kind of work that uh, coastal associations like ASBPA um, can do. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll turn to you. You've helped put together the program. I know you've lined up a couple panels yourself. Um, any, any highlights from this upcoming, um, upcoming summit that you're particularly excited about or, or would like to share with our listeners? So I'm excited about all three days. I think the, the main topics we've chosen, you know, the day one, the plan is to talk about legacy issues. Day two is to focus on timely topics. And day three is the what's next climate change. Um, I think on our day one, it's it's great, Derek, the work that you have done as our executive director, bringing in uh, General Seminite to be our keynote speaker. I think having uh, a person of that stature shows, one, the respect that we as an association are being provided by federal agencies, the realization that you know we can get the chief of engineers from the Army Corps of Engineers to come and speak to us. You know, it shows the value that we provide to federal agencies uh, in achieving, you know, their visions and their goals along with ours. Um, I also think it's going to be great to have a regional planning session. You know, our our goal right now is we've uh, invited speakers related to the North Atlantic Coast Comprehensive Study, the South Atlantic Coast Study, and then also the Great Lakes uh, Resiliency uh, Study. And so we're trying to to get you know three different perspectives on larger regional studies and and be able to share that with our attendees on you know not just what these regional studies are about but i think what's more important is how can the information that's being developed and provided by these studies be leveraged by the local communities to further their own goals you know it's uh, from a local community perspective they're always wondering how do i get funding to implement certain projects whether it's capital improvement or whatever and i think you know these studies the information that's being developed in these studies can be used by you know whether it's the communities or the community engineer to go out and and further that work so i'm really looking forward to that day one and of course the best part about day one is the new event we've implemented at the end of the night which is that um social mixer that we're just going to hold right there in the hall. That mixer is always, it's always nice. People haven't seen each other in a while, but I think our summit brings together, you've got folks, you've got some mayors in town, you've got some uh, coastal council member, council members from coastal communities. You've got, you know, engineers, industry, you've also got a bunch of federal agencies will show up. Uh, We'll have folks from the army Corps. Again, if the the government's not shut down, we'll have folks from USGS, from BOEM, uh, the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management. So it's a nice chance to just sort of catch up over a beer, have conversations, you know, learn some of those things that you probably know already, but get reminded of. It's a real easygoing, those networking breaks are always critical at events like these. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think being able to do it offsite or on site and not having to try to, you know, crowd into a bar somewhere makes life a little bit easier. And then it's just, it's the opportunity, of course, like you said, to see everyone in a, in a larger group. And then usually, you know, it's the smaller groups will kind of split off and everyone heads out for dinner and, and enjoys the evening together. Um, I'll put a plug in for day two. Um, 
one thing that I'm really excited about on day two is uh, a panel that we're we're going to be hosting on how the administration's one federal decision uh, process works. And so um, folks might have heard about this. The administration, as part of their effort to streamline regulatory, has put in uh, put out an executive order. Um, calling for one federal decision for major infrastructure projects. So this is when you have a, a major infrastructure project, uh, all the various regulatory agencies that are um, responsible for providing permits for that project need to work in coordination and provide one decision at the end of the day. So you're not so that project would not have to bounce between permitting agency to permitting agency. It's all being done collaboratively. Um, but this is done for major infrastructural projects. And so we're bringing in some folks to talk about if and how this can be applied to coastal projects. Uh, and we've got really some of the, the key people who are going to be working on this in D.C. So um, Tammy Turley, who's the chief of the regulatory division at uh, chief of regulatory at Army Corps headquarters, um, and Alex Hergott, who is has been with CEQ, but is now, I think, special assistant on on the president's infrastructure initiative. So um, really some of the key people who are looking at how you improve regulatory to expedite infrastructure projects. And we're going to be asking them specifically about coastal projects. I think that should be a really interesting panel to hear hear what they say. Um, and obviously, if, the, if, if we are able to bring in some folks from other agencies, we'll, we're looking forward to them. So I'm excited about that one. I'll tell you, Derek, I'm pretty excited about that one too, because as a practitioner that influences us so much, you know, when we develop a project, we set scope, schedule, and budget. And then if it's taking a really long time to get the responses from the federal agencies on re- respect to your permits and implementation, all those activities are implemented, you know, are, are affected by it. So it's your scope, schedule, and budget just can change. It's kind of an unknown as you build, as you build these uh, proposal responses. And so, kind of hearing how this has been implemented and how it's working, I think will be really helpful to not just the community officials in the room, but to those of us practitioners in the room as well. So Brian, I want to talk uh, quickly about uh, Wednesday evening, and then I'll let you talk about uh, the Thursday or or what's next on climate change. But uh, Wednesday evening is perhaps the most fun event of our coastal summit. And that's where we host our coastal celebration on Capitol Hill. Uh, This is an event that we are hosting for the third year in a row with our partners at Coastal States Organization. And it's a great opportunity to get together with um, state representatives from coastal agencies from across the country who are all in town. Uh, Often we have folks in town from various estuary and organizations, the National Estuary and Research Reserve Association, Restore America's Estuaries are in town, Uh, NOAA staff, National National Oceanic and Atmospheric Agency staff from across the country are often in town. Um, And so we just have a, a great big mixer up on the ninth floor of the Senate building that overlooks the Capitol Dome. So it's really just a beautiful setting. You can have a, a cocktail and a, a couple a couple bites to eat and uh, mingle with coastal professionals from across the country, as well as Capitol Hill staffers and uh, some of the most important decision makers on Capitol Hill. We've had senators attend, we've had House members attend. So it's really just a great event to, in a low-key way, um, talk about the importance of the coast. So really fun event. Uh, and if you are able to come to the summit, you're invited to, in, to join us on, on Capitol Hill, uh, this coastal celebration on Capitol Hill. So, um, Brian, you want to talk a bit about, uh, what we're doing on, on the final day of the summit this year? Yeah. And I just, of course, want to also point back to the, the coastal celebration on Capitol Hill is the fact that you, you're lucky enough to get us the room by, uh, the state Senator from Massachusetts, Ed Markey. And so just a, a shout out to him and his office, you know, as a Massachusetts resident, 
that you know it's it very happy that he's able to to also participate in our organization um yeah and so day our our third and final day on thursday we're going to be looking at this what's next or climate change and as i mentioned it's very important for us as coastal practitioners as we do design of projects making sure that we're building resilient uh projects but at the same time it's very important for community officials so those in the room uh to understand climate science. So our plan is to try to boil down climate science as best we can. The idea is to try to get, um, we've got some policy people in the room to explain what our coastal, what our climate change policies. Uh, we also have people in the room from uh, the Union of uh, Concerned Scientists to talk about how climate change is impacting uh, communities from a, what impacts do coastal communities expect from climate change. Uh, we're also looking to get uh, public relations firms into the room to tell us about what type of messaging works the best when we're trying to explain climate change. So how can a community official explain climate change such that the, uh, the members of the community, the stakeholders are engaged and can best understand uh, the message? So it's, you know, there's no such thing as, as fake news here. It's just trying to actually explain what's going on and why implementation of projects or resilient projects makes the most sense. Uh, so I definitely think we've, we're working on putting it, and we're also going to have the Miami Dade, so Margarita Wells coming and explaining to us how they as a community have been implementing climate change uh, activities. And so I think we're, we're really providing what I think is probably one of the best series of speakers we've ever done on a single topic throughout the morning to tr really try to get us to a better understanding at both the practitioner and the uh, you know the community level as to climate change and its importance at the local levels. Yep, I'm really excited that Margarita Wells from Miami Beach is joining us. I, I've talked with her, and and it's sort of the idea of if Miami Beach can build in coastal resilience and prepare for climate change, then then certainly your community can too, because they are they're at ground zero and they're doing a lot of really innovative, interesting work. So that should be a good talk. We've also got uh, our final speaker, I think, is going to be someone from Moody's Credit Rating. So this is the, the agency that uh, manages the credit rating for coast for communities across the country. So if you want to maintain that AAA bond rating as, you know, Virginia Beach or um, Miami Beach or Los Angeles County, uh, then you need to be providing a climate uh, adaptation or a climate sustainability plan. And Moody's is going to be talking about why they've instituted that and, and how that will um, how that's in, it, it, how that is going to influence uh, the city's finances over the coming years, and in turn, I think that will drive a lot of communities to start looking at how they're addressing sea level rise, and that means building and maintaining their beaches and coastal infrastructure. So, really excited about that talk too. Uh, and I have to say that that's the most interesting uh, topic of the day for me. It's it's one of those. It's a unique opportunity that we saw that we were able to take um, with the cooperation of the city of Virginia Beach. And I'm so excited that we can have someone. It's, it's an unintended consequence that we don't think about, but it's how, you know, there are agencies out there or there are uh, organizations out there that are accounting for climate change. And it's in this bond rating, which is something that, you know, you don't think about, but it's very important to how, you know, we're working 
towards the solutions. So all in all, it should be a really fantastic three days. Um, wanted to tell our listeners about it, partly because we hope you'll join us in person. It's a great opportunity. Also, because we're certainly hoping, uh, I personally am hoping to have some of these topics addressed on the Capitol Beach, either before or after the summit. I think it should be, uh, they're all really fascinating and, and we can certainly dive into all of them pretty well. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we want to sort of wrap up this call. Brian, any any sort of final thoughts or final Final words of wisdom. Uh, I just want to point out that our draft agenda is available on the ASBPA website. Uh, we've also got our registration is open and there are multitudes of sponsorships that are available. And so if you're interested, you know, please make sure that you go to the website to find out more. You know, the agenda is finalized. We'll put up those agendas. Um, but there's a lot of good information that's currently available. Please register and plan on attending. And we look forward to seeing you in, in March in Washington, D.C. Yeah, asbpa.org um, or asbpa.org slash conferences for more information. Thanks for, thanks for that plug. Well, um, Brian, I wanted to thank you for joining me uh, today, but most especially thank you for bringing your wisdom and expertise and, and um passion to the summit this year. I, I really think it's going to be a good event. And a lot of that's credit to our co-chairs, uh, you amongst them. Um, also, as always, wanted to thank our sponsors uh, of ASPN. Uh, this program couldn't be brought to you without them. And then finally, uh, Tyler Buckingham, who helps run the American Trailline Podcast Network, is always really helpful. Um, we've had some technical snafus going into this, this podcast, and he has been uh, just tremendous. And so thank you, Tyler, for working with us on this. Uh, yeah, looking forward to hopefully seeing many of you in, in March at our Coastal Summit. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>